get up, get, get up, get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, the official podcast of your New York Mets, episode number 132. Wrapping up a series against the Milwaukee Brewers. It started off great, ended with a loss. Not, not a fan of losing, but hey, two of three against the Brewers in Milwaukee is good. We come out of this series exactly where we started one game up in the National League East over the Atlanta Braves, so the team is still in first place, and there are a lot of really good things to talk about with this series. We have Max Scherzer returning. We have Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor putting the team on their back. A lot of good things. Tyler McGill came back as well. Drew Smith, which we'll talk about later in Game 3. We got a lot to talk about here, so I'm I'm just going to get going into it. Make sure you guys are following us on all our social media, at MetsDup on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. That's M-E-T-S-D-U-P. I know uh, sometimes audibly it's a little bit different, so just wanted to get that clear for you guys. If you're looking for the YouTube video, go to the New York Mets YouTube channel. Subscribe over there. You'll be able to watch the video version. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcast, drop us a rating, drop us a review. We really do appreciate it. Without further ado, let's bring in James. James, this is like one of the first episodes. It feels like in a while we haven't been together. Yeah, no, I mean, not really, just because we had the two series, the homestand. And that was, was, I was going to say, this is a weird one because you're at your parents' house and I'm not. Usually we coordinate that. That is true. That is true. I think maybe that's what feels yeah. a little bit weirder. And I guess it's also weird because I saw you yesterday because we had a really awesome day at MLB Network, which you guys will be getting uh, some bonus episodes, some bonus contents of. It was It was an awesome day. That was a great day. I thought you were going to talk about that in the intro, honestly. You kind of feel like you forgot. I, I did for a second. I did forget about it. It's We did so much yesterday, which was Tuesday, between talking to Mark DeRosa, talking to Matt Vaskirchen, Cliff Floyd, Harold Reynolds. We did a little home run derby as well for the boys, which is going to be some good content. It was a, it was a very jam-packed day, but I had a lot of fun. That was a great day. It was uh, Shout out to John also for setting that up, everyone's yep. favorite producer, Johnny Barron. It was a great day. And it was also one of those days where like we did a lot, but I went home. And I wasn't like tired because it was like so much fun and it was like so enjoyable. And those all things that every single like all of it was like, this is good stuff. Like, yeah, it wasn't like a, you dread the long day. You dread like being out all day. You get home, you're like, all right, hell yeah. Like I even went home, like watched that Mets game. Also, that Mets game was invigorating. I did like work even after that for Mojo. It was like it was a great day. Yeah, no, it was a good day all around. And that Mets game helped it out even more. And the Mets series was just relatively a good one. Like I said, it ended on a little bit of a bad note here with the loss against the Brewers. But it started off game one with Mad Max Scherzer returning on the mound, and could could he have been any better? I mean, the answer is probably no, right? I mean, he only struck out nine of the 18 batters he faced, uh, so he could have been he could have been better. Only 50% K rate in that game. As um as Max told us in the interview that dropped earlier today, yesterday when you guys listened to this, if you guys haven't, go back, listen to the Max Scherzer interview. He loves to strike guys out, and it yes. was very clear how much he loved to strike guys out. He also doesn't like to give up any hits or walks, and he didn't do either of those things on Monday night, pitching six Perfect innings, 18 up and 18 down in his first start in three weeks. He's just, he's a freak. He's a freak. He looked so fresh, so ready to go. Good job by Buck and the Mets to, you know, decide it's time to pull him out. This game is not that important for to risk Max Scherzer for the entire year kind of thing. Six innings, he hit the pitch count. Let's rock with it. Also really cool that he was like, oh, absolutely. My mark today was 75 pitches. I hit that. It was 68. I don't want to start to eat like I'm trying to do like his like very vernacular. Yes. I didn't want to start the next inning with a chance to go over 75 because 75 was the line. 75 was the line. I don't want to go over that. But it, and also everyone's sticking to the plan. Everyone except like some people on Twitter being like, oh, no. But like Max, like I don't care at all about a perfect game. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. We're here for the Winter World Series. You guys also would have heard him talk about things like that in the interview, too. One thing I did notice about Max, though, in this game that was interesting, a slight deviation from the usual Max Scherzer, was that he was very, very fastball heavy. 
56% fastballs his first start back, and that was with 15% curveballs. Each of those numbers were near season highs. The curveball percentage was a season high for Max, hmm. which is weird because he always kind of sits between like 5 and 12%. I guess this just maybe got a little bit higher because he threw less pitches overall. So a few more of a pitch earlier in the game will kind of shoot that up. But to see that pitch get a lot of whiffs relative and be thrown more often than his patent is slider, I thought it was pretty interesting. Also, that fastball was just really good, had eight whiffs, and it was a, a up in velo across the board, hit 96.7 miles an hour, his fifth fastest pitch of the year. So he did come back very fresh. I got to assume the fastball thing is more so getting in a rhythm and knowing that he only had so many bullets left, you know, that like in this game that he just wanted to kind of attack, attack hitters, like beat me. You're not going to do it. I'm Max Scherzer. Beat me. You won't. And maybe the curveball thing has to do with maybe just the Brewer. Like remember – couple years ago talking about the Mets with uh hitting curveballs we had some issues like maybe the Brewers are just a team that struggles against the curveball and hits sliders better which I mean we saw in game three but you know maybe that was something that they in the game planning they decided as well like oh let's attack them with the curveballs too that's such a hither by hither thing though what just happened in your apartment everyone who listens to the show and I actually talk to in person tells me they never hear anything, which is so, unbelievable because you say you hear everything. So and maybe I have listen back. Yeah. Maybe it's just us. Maybe shout out to Abiel who's doing a great job on the yeah, editing there. Maybe he's, just, he's, he's cutting it perfectly lower in the, the volumes, getting the peaks and valleys perfectly because uh, it sounds like someone just bowled a strike. No, it was a, it was a party car as I like to call them that rolled by here. Mm-hmm. Actually, you just talked about editing. That just really sent me on a flashback. I do not miss that at all. No, no, not one bit. Late, really, night, late night editing these podcasts. Really great perk of now working with the Mets. <laughs> Incredible. But another stat John just threw in here. He's only, Scherzer only had more strikeouts with his four-seamer in one other start this year. He had f- punched out four different brewers, four of the nine Ks with that four-seamer on Monday. Hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, like... Again, while it was probably a plan, it was missing bats, and it was being thrown at a higher velocity, and he was throwing it up in the zone a lot. Yeah, you won't catch me complaining about it. You give me six perfect innings every time you go out there, hey... Give me five perfect innings every time you go out there. Never, never going to be a complaint coming out of my mouth when that happens. No, it's kind of just now that he's back again. You just, and he did talk about that the lat still was. I don't remember the word he used. I think he just remembered getting, I think he said tired, but he said that it was getting tired at the exact same rate as his arm. And that was kind of the whole thing he wanted to measure. He said this in the post game uh, when they were doing the subdued celebration, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But he said that was the whole the point of the start, seeing if they got tired together. Because the reason he went in the IL, and I think it happened in May as well, is that the lat got tired first, and the lat couldn't hold up with the arm. So he's kind of working in unison, I guess. And then that is that was a big key for him, he said. Now, maybe this is just because we had a 15-minute conversation with him, so we now know a little bit more about Max Scherzer. Again, go listen to that episode. We're plugging it a lot here. It's because it's awesome. It's amazing. We talked Sick. to friggin' Max Scherzer for 15 minutes. I mean, the guy's going to go in the Hall of Fame. It's unbelievable. But it, it the way he talks about baseball is... Unlike anyone I've ever, like anyone I've heard, he like the way he was talking about the pitch, the pitch clock or the pitch com or the DH rule or the things that he wants changed in baseball or just like you said, his lat catching up to like his, uh, arm. his arm becoming tired at the same rate is what yeah, he like, described it. I don't feel like I've ever heard anybody really describe, I don't want to say like an injury, but like how they're feeling like that before. I think it's just, I think one is that he's really smart. Yes, definitely and, and smart he, guy. He's, and he's very smart, but a lot of guys are very smart, but not everyone's very good at articulating their intelligence, mm-hmm. like being able to actually send the brain to the mouth and get get everything out. Like, I think that's something that you and I are actually pretty good at. That's why we have this podcast, which is not kind bad. of hysterical. Yeah, not we're, bad. We're, we're, de- we're not like Max Scherzer. And the other I'll, thing... I'll say flack instead of... Or I'll say yeah, sl- yeah. slack instead of flack, you know. The, the intent is there. The intent is there. That's <laughs> the whole point. But Max Scherzer just, like, loves baseball so much that he's, like... he's. I don't think he ever thinks about anything else. 
it's pr- like probably when he goes home, like probably about his kids, but you know, for sure, like he's doing like finger painting or something. He's like, man, what if I, what if I started him out with an, an OO curveball today instead of, you know, a slider? He's like, if I change my finger, maybe I can get more depth in my cutter and then that can play off the change up a little better. And I could work both of those more. So the lefties, like he's, this kid's just like hitting him in the arm. <laughs> he's like, dad, finger paint. Like, like Jimmy, I also, Jimmy Fallon from fever pitch when he's on the TV. Yes. Like Red Sox, sex and breathing. <laughs> also, I want to bring attention to your impression of him, which was spot on the way that he speaks. It's very like, it's very quick. And he's like, I got a lot to say. And I'm then I have a thing that I'm going to say. Then I say it again. Then I'm going to look at you and then do this and say it again. I'm, I'm like not good impressions, but the few I can hit, I can hit. No, yeah. You got the you got the cadence down perfectly there for Max Scherzer. Again, check it out. It's out on it's out on the podcast everywhere. And you should really go watch the YouTube video version of this one because the video is really cool. I mean, you're sitting a sick next to Max Scherzer. Still doesn't, still crazy. Like I'm like, <laughs> be able to look back in 20 years and be like, Max Scherzer, talk to him for 15 minutes. I was throwing the YouTube link everywhere today. I threw it in the old pitcher list discord. I threw nice. it in my Mojo Slack and like the general channel. I was putting it into like group chats of fantasy leagues. I was throwing it everywhere. Everywhere no, I, th- I possibly could. I think it's doing really well too, from what I saw. You know, I'm I'm a YouTube number man over here, so I, I check the numbers every once in a while, especially on on the stuff that we do. And this is definitely, I think, going to be our most popular interview, without a doubt. I kind of hope so because it doesn't really get more popular than this. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be this tough. Is, it's going to be like tough. Maybe Lindor or Pete, but this is pretty much maxing out for us. Yeah, Degrom, <laughs> if if all three of them want to come on, maybe Buck if he's willing to talk to the boys and, and talk with us. I don't even know. Maybe even old players like, I like David Wright. David, yeah, David Wright probably. That's the white whale. That that might be the white whale. Piazza too, but I think David yeah. Wright might might resonate with our listeners a little more. David Wright loves like go to Manhattan Beach and do the interview. That's oh <laughs> no, oh, oh no, Manhattan Beach, <laughs> California. It's my arm. Back to the game. Yeah, back to the game. Another big part of this game going into it was that Max Scherzer, former Cy Young winner, was facing off against Corbin Burns. Most recent Cy Young winner, defending reigning Cy Young winner, wrongfully stole that crown from Zach Wheeler. Yeah, great pitcher. Great pitcher having another great year. Has had a little bit of a downturn in his last couple of months. And the book on the Mets all year, the supposed book on the Mets, I think people tell you about the Mets, that they can't hit good pitchers. But the Mets, after one time through the order, it looked like that was more the same. I have to give credit to you, Mark, because you gave the best reverse jinx. One of the best reverse jinx of the entire season. But it was, it was, you know why though? Because it really was true. I really felt like the Mets were just not going to touch Corbin Burns. Like you said, the first time through the order, he was so dominant in a fashion that was like, it's not that we're not hitting. He's not letting us hit. We're not allowed to play baseball today. Like the Mets just, it doesn't matter what you try to do. You're not going to hit me. And then, like you said, the, the perfect reverse jinx, it was timed up so well too. It's incredible. You sent the text about seven minutes before P. Alonso, his three-run home run in the fourth inning, right before that rally got going. But the first time around the order, well, I think he was basically perfect. He might have been, he might have been perfect, actually. I think, I think they were both perfect through three. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, of course. But Alonso just hit. It was, a, it was a good pitch, too. One of the best things about what the Mets did against Corbin Burns is that all their hits that wound up scoring runs, the Alonso three-run home run, the Lindor triple on the heels of the Nimmo triple in the sixth inning, and then the Vogue double that actually wound up icing Burns, is that all of them were on very good pitches. That Pete home run was on a changeup that ducked out of the bottom of the zone. It got a little bit too much plate, but it wasn't like so much plate. It wasn't like down the heart of the plate and low. Pete just went down and went with it. It just kind yeah, of we, seemed like he picked we it up well. Someone on our Twitter tell us bad pitch selection. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, well, he had a home run. So I don't know how bad of a pitch selection it really was. I mean, I guess it was out of the strike zone, but that's kind of something that Pete has done especially well this year, attacking that shadow like very well. Pete's always been the big heart guy in terms of zones of the plate please tack that shadow well Lindor was on a curveball that was basically in the same spot just like an inch higher like kind of right on the bottom like edge of the zone 
went down and got it and just rope hooked it down the line and just got on his freaking horse was zooming around the bases. Yeah, he was, I, I would love to know if he was running, if that was the fastest he was running all year because he was flying and even Keith zooming. and Gary uh, in the broadcast booth made a comment about it. And they're like, man, Lindor put it in another gear. We just really haven't ever seen it. It's not that he doesn't run hard. It was just, he looked really fast, which is not something I would say of Francisco Lindor's game. Not that he's not slow, not that he's slow, but I wouldn't say he's really fast ever. He's just like an astounding athlete. I think we're getting sense of that every day. He, I think, jumped. I'm going to get it right now. It's loading on Fangrass. He jumped up now to the fifth highest war in all of baseball. It's really good. He put it yeah. in, like if it wasn't for Paul Goldschmidt in the National League having just an absolutely disgusting video game like year, Francisco Lindor is in a real conversation for MVP. I told you this take yesterday. I don't really think they're that far apart at all. They're separated I... by less than half a win. And if you're thinking about like value, like I know Goldschmidt's hitting the crap out of the ball and he's going to have, he's like, He's in. He's technically still in play for Triple Crown. There's no way he catches Pete's RBIs. Yeah. At this point, like most uh, likely not. And Schwarber and Betts are right on him and homers. But in terms of defensively, what Francisco Lindor does every single day at the shortstop position compared to Goldschmidt, just like having a glove and standing at first base, it's kind of. I, I don't know. I I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. I think Lindor is going to come in second. And I think he's probably going to get like a handful of first place votes and just. If you're talking about value, like you take Goldschmidt off the Cardinals, they're probably like what five win different and probably still the leader in the central. Like take Lindor off the Mets, we're, we're about 500. The problem with Lindor getting those votes is that one, a lot of the people who still vote are old reporters who are angry. And if you don't hit 300, you don't deserve their vote. And yeah. both Goldschmidt and Freddie Freeman are both hitting 300. Like, yeah. and Mookie Betts like is probably also in that conversation too. But Lindor is for sure at the absolute worst top five guy in the National League for MVP because what he has done for this team, like we talk about Pete driving in the runs, he hit the home run in this game, which was huge, but Lindor and Pete together have been just two of the most valuable players in the middle of a lineup this year. They've just been so incredibly good, and Lindor playing like this after what a lot of people were disappointed with in 2021, understandably so, but we knew we weren't part of the Lindorks. We weren't part of the, the fools. It was just, it was just so obvious. It was like a court. It was like a quarterback telegraphing their past. Like this is going to be Carlos Beltran 2.0. It's the yep. exact same thing. And you saw like in the second year, Beltran, the great year in his third year, he had put up like an eight win season. So like yep. maybe that, and there's still probably a ceiling on Lindor, even as well as he's played. Like he probably still, there is still is probably more power than that bad. Like there still is a like, and he, and I say that, and that's a, there's a guy with a 350 on base, 450 slugging, 270 average. Like, he's going to wind up with like 28 homers on basically a, almost 100, 100 with 17 steals. Like, yeah, and unbelievable. In the second half, he's been money too. Now, I don't think this counts today's game on Wednesday, but hitting 308 with a 379 on base, 489 slugging, 868 OPS in the second half, nine homers, nine doubles, a couple triples, 33 RBIs in 57 games. Like, that's, He's, that's 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 our shortstop right there. That is our shortstop, and I'm so so happy he's going to be here for quite some time. Yeah, it's, again, I still Goldschmidt hasn't really been hitting that well, also for the last month, and Lindor has been hitting very well. I think there is an outside chance that Lindor can end the season with a higher wins above replacement than Paul oh, Goldschmidt. Yeah, no, I think the WAR definitely could could be higher and eclipse Paul Goldschmidt. That's that's not, I don't think, out of the realm of possibilities. He has my vote. Oh, good. <laughs> I wish we could vote. That'd be really cool. Stop the really box. Be we'd be really bad, biased. No, for sure. Lindor and Pete, one and two, of course. I don't know who, who else we'd find for votes for the Mets. Every I'd, single guy for Gold Glove. Got to give uh, Brendan Nimmo, Starling Marte, yeah. Jeff McNeil, everybody. Yeah. Give everyone a vote. Just I'm, I'm trying to find the rookie of the year in my head right now. Who could like it be? Ryan Tapera got a MVP vote, right? 
That's weird. That, that had to be some kind of weird accent, though. I think it was. I think the guy said he he accidentally like I don't know how you accidentally do it. I don't know how this works. Like I feel like they probably still actually mail something in. Like I think I don't think that's like a euphemism. I think they actually get something in the mail and like like write something down and send it in. You know what it was? They saw the Nathan for You episode where he defrauds the Oscar voting or whatever, and he's like, they could do it to the National League MVP. Got to mail it in. So the only way to keep it pure. They're, even 2019, we're going to get a little off topic here for the last moment of the show. Then we're going to go back to baseball. I don't even think there was another guy named Ryan, though, who was like actually close. That was 2020 season that he got the one vote. Was it? I'm trying to think right now. I, bl- I believe it was 2020. I'll tell you, because if you go on baseball reference, it will tell you. So he, he finished 18th in the MVP voting in 2020. Yeah. In the short season. Uh, there is yeah. now, there was no Ryan in the top 30 in war. There's no Ryan. I guess you could have voted for. Like I'm looking at other Cubs. You have you Darvish and Ian Happ that also made it on this list, but I got to imagine the guy who voted for Ryan Tapera also voted for them. So yeah. I'm not sure how that that wouldn't really happen. Now, there's got to be a story somewhere. I think he went on a podcast, but it's not ours, so you don't have to listen to it. Yeah, and we top 50 in WAR that year. Hitters and pitchers. There's no Ryan's. <laughs> so I don't know. What it, was, it was couldn't have not been a mix up. Not a popular baseball name, I guess. Yeah. All right. Though back to this game. One more thing we should talk about very briefly is that. Tyler McGill came in first relief appearance. Mm-hmm. He started he started the inning off with I remember breaking ball. And I was like, that's not the Tyler McGill I know. <laughs> like, not that's a bad thing. That's just Tyler McGill's like trying to do the thing that Max Scherzer taught a lot of Mets pitchers, where it's like get that curveball slider thing over to start the at bat. But like, I just I don't know. When I envision Tyler McGill a relief pitcher, I envision like a power fastball, heavy fastball relief pitcher. Definitely, okay. yeah. And that this, this is an anomaly. It's also anecdotal. It's just one at bats. We don't know anything about his actual strategy as reliever. But then he did promptly give up a big home run to Rowdy Tellez. <laughs> I mean, Rowdy Rowdy hit some tanks. So yeah, Rowdy Rowdy's a sense. fun player. And that got this game a little bit tighter than it had to be for a second. Naquin Nito got us back for some insurance after, and everything was okay. But similar to how David Peterson's first relief appearance of the year way back in June against the Yankees. Oh yeah wasn't great and it got people thinking bad things david peterson's second relief appearance was a little bit better whereas we'll talk about that briefly in game three but i thought i was, I was just like ah damn that was <laughs> it's gonna give us a bad first in uh, first what's the first impression for some yeah people? oh definitely i mean we we know mets fans we love you we're also a little bit crazy too so we know that we'll see something happen once and that's what's stuck in our head for the end of time <clears throat> our shortstop but you know what's great about this game too clinch the playoff spot First time since 2016, the Mets will be going back to the playoffs no matter what, which is nice. It's nice. And they had their celebration after the game, and I say celebration with air quotes around it because it was very subdued. Subdue? Subdued? Is it you throw a D at the end of it? Subdued, yeah. Subdued. Yeah, subdued, subdued. It was in the past tense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, very nice. Good, good, good. Good English lesson there. Yeah, it was very subdued. Uh, you know, just a little, little beer, a little champagne. Nobody's going crazy. Nobody's popping bottles, spraying it around. What did you think about that? Because I feel like that was a conversation that, one, we had with a lot of people at MLB Network, which was interesting. You guys will hear that. But two, I feel like just in the baseball world, that was a conversation of like, how do you actually celebrate when it's not the like ultimate goal you want? I mean, I think it's kind of exactly what they did. Even a team like the Astros, I know they like they was they said they were going to do subdued, but then once they brought, they brought the champagne, they wound up actually just having a bunch of fun. But you kind of just, the Mets like kind of couldn't really afford that. Like, I think the big part of that clinch celebration is like, let's, let's get drunk and we can be hung over the next And night. let's relax a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like it's like a no big real, yeah. sigh of relief. Like, oh, oh we did it. It's over. <laughs> I, don't know, I thought the Mets handled it well. Like, it seemed like they had a drink, they had a celebration. They enjoyed themselves a little bit, enjoyed the moment, but they didn't spray anything. I was nervous for a spray. Nothing was sprayed. They were like, the reporters were in there and like, it wasn't 
crazy. Like, I don't want to see any craziness. I don't. I don't think they want to either. There was that funny team picture that was taken with Vogel back, just like slumped in the background, yeah, yeah, chilling with a Bud Light. Like he was like, oh, every single BuzzFeed article, sixteen times you were Daniel Vogel back. Yeah, it was. I think it was perfect because they should celebrate because it's a big achievement making the postseason, especially like making the postseason, like running away. They're going to approach a hundred wins. They got they got to be after uh, Tuesday night, forty games over five hundred. Like I think it was third time only in team history. Like mm-hmm. a lot of good things happen is worth a celebration. You have to appreciate the little things, appreciate the moments, but they did still, they were not, I don't know. They were in bashful. The fact that there was still a lot to do, yes. which is perfect. A lot of comments from the guys afterwards talking about how we're happy. This is good. This was partially, you know what we wanted to do. We obviously wanted to make the playoffs, but the goal is to win the division. And we still got a lot of work left to do. It's very cliche, but it's what needed to be said. And it's the right mindset to have as well for this team. Cause of course we want to win the division. And when we do, then you can pop those bottles. Then you can go crazy. And as a Mets fan too, like it's hard to even be upset about these guys celebrating anything because yeah. so it's just been, it's been, it's only been six years since the Mets reached the postseason, but it's been a grueling, horrible, painful six years since this happened. Oh, it's been it's been nuts. We are going to talk about it a little bit more later with uh, producer John. We're just gonna we're gonna play like a name game and just throw out some names for you guys to talk about how long it's been, what. I mean, like, it sounds so weird. It sounds so crazy because the Mariners haven't made it in, like, 20 years. But, like, how long it's been, what this team's gone through, and to now make the playoffs with the way that they're playing with a really good team, this roster, like, enjoy it. Enjoy it, Mets fans. Like, it, it really should be more of a, a relaxing moment for us, even though the friggin' Braves don't allow it to be. This the first. I'll just start the name game now. We'll save the rest for John. But Henry Mejia was on the Mets' last playoff team. Yeah, that's no that that is a true stat. He was yeah. on the last Mets. That's how long it's team. been. Guys banned from baseball, I believe. <laughs> I don't believe he's allowed to play Major League Baseball. So, oh my God, that's literally that's it. Rafael Montero as well. And he's been on four teams, I think, since then. Yeah, he's now pitching with the Astros, right? And he's 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 now gotten actually good. It's been that yeah, long since he he's like thirty three now, or however old he is. Game two now. Game two. Like we said, in between this, we had the LMB Network Day. We talked about that. It was fantastic. A lot of great interviews coming for you guys with bonus content over the next few weeks. Game two, though. Probably one of the crazier games we've had, especially in the second half. Obviously, nothing beats, uh, whatchamacallit, nothing beats the Philly game early in the year because that was the craziest game of all time that the Mets have had. But game two was pretty nuts. A lot of back and forth here and uh, a really big inning for the Mets as well. A lot of big things happening in this one. Wow, John just corrected me. Mejia was on that team. Last time he pitched was 2015. He got kicked out, I think, during that season, but while he was in the minor leagues. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah, so I, got, I think I got him Montero confused. Hey, All right, hey hand up. Thank you. Hand up when we it get happens. stuff wrong. It takes a big man to admit when they are wrong, and I'm happy to announce I am that man. <laughs> but I think that the game two, the Wednesday, Tuesday night game against the Brewers, was the craziest game of our second half so far because we yeah. had the multiple big comebacks in the first half. It was we were yet to really have one in the second half. Not this comeback was that big or that crazy, just like the way it happened late, the way also the game began where the Mets did look like a tiny bit hungover, probably. Yeah, it was, it was the, a slow start. The term hangover game was being thrown out, and I think it was more so just because that's a term that's used, but I don't think anyone thought yeah, that the Mets were not, not they were literally hungover. And also, Keith had a great phrase. He was like, sometimes games like this, after nights like that, it takes a few innings to get the engine started. <laughs> I was like, that's Keith, a good one. Hey, Keith would know. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> pop a couple greenies, you're fine. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, though, wasn't really sharp from the jump, which is something that I think kind of also set the tone early. He just, his velocity was down across the board. The command of his fastball and changeup, which is usually fantastic, usually that's what's driving his success, wasn't quite there. He was missing with it. He wasn't really living in those same shadows that he usually is able to live in. He was either, he was a lot in the middle of the plate, some shadow, some edge, but a lot of just two inside, two outside, two low righties and lefties. 
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Less called strikes and whiffs than season averages. He like just he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't put anybody away. And this is something yeah. we were texting about personally. He allowed Bruce had twenty two foul balls in this game. So many foul balls. He had a lot of o two one two, and it was just couldn't like you yes. said couldn't put the guys away. It was just not that they like. I don't even think we're necessarily seeing him well, but his location wasn't as spot on no, to command, get those yeah. swings and misses. He was either getting too much plates, they're fouling it off, or he wasn't getting enough plate, and the guys were just able to spit on it casually. The Brewers had a very long second inning that felt like it was going to take a lifetime. Oh my god! They got three runs home. It just, I think, like eight guys came to the plate. It was miserable. And then he did have trouble in the third and fourth too, but was able to work around it. Finally, got pulled after four innings and ninety pitches. Give you a sense of how arduous this outing was. Great that he worked around traffic and held it to three, but definitely not his best work. Definitely. And then, of course, the boy Trevor Williams came in afterwards and does Trevor Williams things. Now, he did give up a run in the first inning of work. But he, listen, even Trevor Williams is human. It's going to happen. He's still so valuable to this team. I do think there was a pertinent conversation, though, about Trevor Williams that Gary and Keith were having and about his roster spot. Now that the Mets are getting all these pitchers back. He is a guy as good as he's been this year. He, I would say, probably becomes extraneous on a playoff roster. Do you do you agree with that? It depends. It depends how you value or like what you value. Because like in a shorter series, probably less valuable. Yeah. But in a but, longer series, like as you get as the series get longer, having a guy who could come in and let's just say you go up massive or you go down massive, he's a guy who like I mean think about the what was it twenty what year did the Red Sox win the World Series against the Dodgers 20, 2019. 2019. No, 2018. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it's 2019. But like Evaldi didn't play that role, but he did in this series where even in that extra inning game, just him being able to eat those innings essentially won the Red Sox the series. So being able to have a guy like Trevor Williams, who I'm not saying an extra inning game because I think that's a little more too specific, but in a blowout, either way, just being able to have four or five innings can completely save a bullpen and make a huge difference. I agree with that stream of logic but i do think that that's just going to become taiwan walker or carlos carrasco one okay, of those fair. guys are he's getting bumped to the bullpen and those guys similar to trevor williams are right-handed pitchers that don't have elite velocity and they probably their stuff probably will play up a little bit more than trevor's trevor has the experience of moving between bullpen and rotation this year which i think is valuable something those mm-hmm. guys haven't done but i do think that to have a taiwan walker carlos carrasco and a trevor williams feels like a little bit of overkill yeah, on, I mean, on a playoff roster, it, it, I think it will also really come down to how everyone is playing in the final two weeks of the season as well. Yeah. Like if, yeah. if Trevor Williams is sharp and I don't know some this and that, like th- there's so many different scenarios that could happen that could change everything that we're talking about now. But I understand where I could see it. But also in the same regard, I do think he has a lot of value and I, I think he's earned it. I think he he deserves a spot. Objectively, I do think he's earned it too, but I just think that the Mets have a lot of similar type of guys. And this is also something that we're going to handle in a few weeks. I just wanted to bring it up because I remember yeah. Gary and Keith specifically talking about it. And I no, thought it's, their discussion, similar to ours, was interesting. It's a worthy conversation and something to keep an eye on, like you said, over the next coming weeks here. But let's talk about the exciting stuff now because yeah. we, got rid of, we got rid of the pitch and we got rid of the slow start. Offense, late, coming alive, which was really, really nice. Pete Alonzo, another three-run homer on a pitch that he just smoked to center field. I mean, that ball flew out of there fast. That was a beautiful swing. 
made it what four three at the time. Brewers were still up one. Yes. But once that happened, you were like a little bit of life. And I think uh, Lindor and Nimmo also worked two really good at bats. I believe in that inning to get Pete to that spot. What happened here is that the Brewers just completely lost command, which was incredible. Like that, I think yeah. that Pete home run was either the second or third hit of the entire game for the Mets. I think the Mets only had four. They only had four. They by the end of the game, they had seven runs and four hits. Yeah. So just the fact that they couldn't really get anything going, and I think a part of that was the fact that. Aaron Ashby started that he's a lefty and he was 100% only going to throw max 50 pitches. And this lineup was designed to face a lefty and the Brewers just start bringing in right-handed relievers. And it mm-hmm. kind of, it was kind of like, it was kind of like a gotcha moment. And that was like, Mark Hanna had a couple of rough at bats. He's a bit of a cold spell right now with men on base. But once Pete did that, it was that feeling like, okay, we got it back. Like we can 100% win this game. And that was absolutely completely realized when Taylor Rogers walked three Mets. Marcana had a bad at bat against a lefty. Yeah. And then Francisco Lindor came up, picked him up, just hit a grand slam, pimped it through like just a beautiful, beautiful moment oh, of I the s- season. I screamed. I, I screamed. freaked out. I'm back home in New Jersey watching uh Yaya. Yeah, did you scare Yaya? And her sister. I scared her a little bit. I think I startled her because she was she was out cold. It was like what nine o'clock at night. She's tired. Late for Yaya. It's late for Yaya. She was she was right for bed. She was in bed sleeping. And I screamed. I th- I think I gave a and Abiel, we're gonna need you to bleep this year. I gave a let's f- go i screamed like let's go I and I, I looked down and yeah i was like she looks like she's like what like <laughs> what just happened oh my come on i did the same thing alone in my room i like i like pump my fist so hard that like it might like it kind of hurts Ooh, yeah you gave like you popped yeah, one it a the, little bit yeah one of those like elbow like hyper extensions but it was a great moment like as francisco endorsed third grand slams a met that's more than he had in this entire stretch with cleveland which is kind of funny I just, it was like the Mets haven't had so few of these games this year where the power has actually picked them up. And it was so beautiful that it happened. Like, this is what we've been talking about in this show. Like, sometimes you just got, your guys got to win it, let the long ball win a game for you between your superstars and just hitting home runs. And they did it. The two best offensive players on this team put the team on their back for this one. Seven RBIs combined for those two guys. Pete now has 121 on the season, which is three shy of tying the Mets single season record. The dude's got two weeks to play here. I think he's got a really good shot at uh, breaking that. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that record is actually shared by Piazza and Wright. So it'd be kind of cool if he just ties it. You, you wanted? I want to win. I want him to blow through it. I want him to get 130. You want to know why? 130 RBIs in the next whatever 10 or 11 games the Mets have. The only reason, I, yeah, the only reason I don't is because we're probably gonna need three more RBIs from Pete to win this division. So That's I want true. him to blow past it, get to 140. But I think it would be it would be kind of funny since it's those two guys have it tied right now for like the, probably the three best power hitters that we saw in our lifetime two of the just straight up bets best best hitters yeah (laughs) i think that'd just be funny and this is also ironic because john wrote this in the notes the brewers are top three in baseball in how many of their runs were uh, i don't know how to phrase this scored by the home run really yes i think he's the only to score the many runs yeah i was about to say because like yelich isn't really hitting that many home runs i can say all this stuff now because we're not playing them anymore yeah yelich doesn't score that many like hit many home runs anymore ground ball king rowdy telez obviously does willie adamez who just absolutely is did you did you get a chance to look up willie adamez's numbers by the way against the mets for his career no i just saw how well he did in this game adamez like this year alone he has 30 rowdy is 32 willie adamez is probably the most underrated shortstop in baseball is that you think that's a fair statement I think he's one of the most underrated players. He's fantastic. He's a really, really good ball player. And I feel like every time he plays the Mets, well, I felt this. I'm like, man, he just plays really, really well against us. Now he plays well against a lot of teams. But against the Mets, when I check the numbers, he owns the Mets. He's played now 19 games against the Mets. Seven homers. I think like 
about 20 RBIs and he's hitting over 300 with a close to 1100 OPS. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, breaking news from Tacoma. Give me break, break news live in the podcast. Brandon Moe says he believes he caught his quad injury early enough to avoid a major issue. He's hopeful okay. he won't need to miss much. If any time at all, Jeff What's McNeil that? also said he feels physically fine. And every single comment is why is Jeff McNeil lying? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is a, is a warrior. It's and a I guess I will, we'll talk about that in like two minutes. Cause we're almost at game three here, which is going to be a quick one. Game three is going to be quick, but we got to wrap up game two. Uh, Oh, John just put a new one here. Brewers, 50.1% of runs scored have come via the homer. Second in baseball. They have 205 homers this season. Third most in baseball. Who's hitting all these home runs for the Brewers? I mean, Renfro is 25. Colton Wong has like 15. McCutcheon Colton is like Wong 15. Has 15. I think 12 or something. Yeah, That feels on. like a lot for Colton No, he's having, Colton Wong's having pretty good. He's also only played 120 games. Colton Wong's having a good year. 15, I, yeah. Colton Wong I, has 12 homers, 15 steals from my fantasy baseball players Tyrone Taylor has 17? Yes, Tyron Taylor is 17, Renfro 25, McCutcheon 23. Oh, 25, 7. No, McCutcheon 17. I was looking at doubles. I was looking at doubles. Okay. But all the other ones are right. 17 for Tyron Taylor, 25 for Renfro, 17 McCutcheon, 15 Luis Urias in only 110 games, 14 for Casemiro. Yeah. Sneaky, in, in sneaky finding it. 120 OPS plus for Casemiro, baby. I'm not done yet. Good ball player. Good ball player. But hey, listen, didn't matter in this one because uh, the boys the boys won this game. Now, we talk about the eighth inning as well, and this got a little scary. Got a little little bit, ooh, what's going on here? But Edwin Diaz slammed the door, four-out save, and yeah, he's so good. <laughs> yes, and it was a situation where Adovino was, he hit it, he just missed a few spots. There was a couple, like, I remember that ball went off Eduardo Escobar's glove that wound up opening the rally a little bit. Yeah. And you could just see how mad Adovino was at himself for missing with a pitch. And like, I don't know, the guy's the guy's been a horse all year. Maybe he's probably good week to so like give him every every third day instead of every other day to get him in a game. Yeah, let's just start beating the doors off of teams, and then we don't have to worry <laughs> about using these guys in stressful situations. But yeah, Edwin was so money. It's incredible how good he is yet again. The fastball was dominant. The slider was dominant. Edwin Diaz was dominant. He had more whiffs in this game than any Brewers pitcher. <laughs> that and the Brewers have good pitching. Go figure. I know. But no one pitched more than like two or three innings, so I get that. But it was also cool that he was just missing tons of bats. Very nice that it got dicey for a second, but the second he came in, it was like, ah, exhale. Shout out to your boy Taylor Rogers. You've been talking about how mid that guy is for years, and it, it came it. to fruition in that game too. I just, I, I mean, I still like thought he was like at least good ish. It's just he, that was such the that was like I talk about all the time because we're talking about Willie Adams, how that was like the coolest mutually beneficial trade we've seen in a long time. Like Willie Adams for Drew Muse and JP Fireeyes to help both teams monumentally Massively. gave them exactly what each other needed. Yeah. It was Musin being like a frontline starter for Rays this year and Adamus being a starting shortstop everyday player. Josh Hader for Taylor Rogers has to be one of the worst <laughs> trades for two teams that we've ever seen ever. Just two so, guys that have not worked out for I'll take my team. bad lefty if you're a bad lefty. All right, let's switch the bad lefties. And what's so funny is they were both good this year before that. <laughs> great i had to tell rogers on a million fancy teams before that trade and luckily i dropped him because i really wasn't gonna be the closer anymore he's had this awful run still scratch like 30 saves out of the guy which is that's all you can ask for adamas in this game four hard hit balls two doubles four hits two rbis good good ball player good ball player what else what else can we say all right let's wrap up the series here talk about game three this one's gonna be quick i promise because mets didn't hit and the brewers scored a bunch of runs i mean really that's the story at the end of the day I mean, the Brewers only had one run going into, I think it was the sixth or seventh inning when the, the floodgates opened. Taiwan, pit, it was seventh inning because Taiwan did have a good game. I probably should have had some notes to break down Taiwan. I'll try to do it on the fly very quickly. Get to it. It was just the bats very, they just, Adrian Hauser is just one of those annoying guys who like a match just won't hit. Yeah. Like, you don't know why. I don't know. I don't want to know why. Like it doesn't make any sense. Just probably so. And also the bets like really game two of the series also only had four hits. So I can't even yeah. say they really hit, hit that time either. 
But what are you going to do? Taiwan, ooh, curveball. Curveball made another appearance today, but didn't get any whiffs. Guess how many whiffs Taiwan Walker had today? Ten. Four. Okay, all right. Yeah, a lot of call strikes. I was still at, still at 18 call strikes, but four-seam sinker led the way. Splither, one of the pitches. Slither actually had two whiffs. He only threw it nine times. Maybe should have thrown that a little bit more. But Taiwan, this weird thing happens with Taiwan a lot where he's efficient and he gets out but they're not really comfortable because the ball is being put in play in a lot. And he's not getting any strikeouts. I don't think there was a strikeout in this game. I remember Gary talking about until the fifth inning, which for mother, or sure. maybe there was only like three total. And then the Mets didn't strike out themselves until later in the game. I do yes. remember that they only wound up before the entire day, but it was just this weird situation where Taiwan was pitching. He was pitching well, and he was being economic, economic, economical, we economical, yeah. economical Pulled to me. Yeah, there you go. It was like 80 pitches through six. So it's like, of course, like logically, Let's send him back out for the seventh. Of course, like it's, it's September. We got to get extra innings out of guys. Of course, get through. The only, it was like one to one K to walk. And he wasn't missing any bats. Probably was a time similar to the exactly what happened in the last start against the Pirates at home, where maybe we shouldn't stretch him out. Last time the Mets had enough in the tank, able to get past it. This time they did not. And listen, if he comes out of that game with six innings, I like I, the pitch count's irrelevant to me. It's a great start. It's a for great sure. start. Six and innings and he gives up one run. The lineup has flipped over three times. Like it, it was just a good time for him to be comfortable, take him out of the game. Buck brought in David Peterson, who we saw out of the pen now for, I believe, the third time this season, second time since he got the new role. And, he and was, we forgot we forgot to talk about it on Sunday the bat, yeah. just the, the sweep, the football, it all, it all got taken out. Peterson did look good at the ball, and then I thought he also looked good this time. He got a strikeout, also walked a guy. But I think it was overall a positive experience at Peterson out of the bullpen. You got to see a little bit of that high end. Yeah, of what he I looks like, like throwing ninety seven with the sweet with the crazy slider. Yeah, I, I love that combination there. Ninety seven with one of the best sliders in baseball. We we're at MB Network where we saw the whiff rate on slider swings and misses on sliders this year, and the Mets had three of the top five. David Peterson being one of them. So also it's a nasty pitch. Peterson got his fastball up to ninety seven point six miles an hour today out of the pen. His average, he only threw five fastballs, so the average is going to look good, but it was 94.6, which is over two mile an hour faster than his average on the year. Also, he got a slider over 88 miles an hour. Ooh, okay. His yearly average on that pitch is 84 and a half. That's like a that. massive difference. That's really, I think, going to help that pitch a ton. I am excited for Peterson in this role still. He looked, there's a little, there's a twinge of Andrew Miller in this. Yeah, for say. sure. Yeah, big, big lefty who's got some nasty stuff. Yes. Drew Smith came into this game, ended up being, uh, Maybe a bit of a mistake. I don't know uh, what you want to call it, but Drew Smith coming off the IL in his first appearance comes into a bases loaded game with two outs in the seventh, hangs a slider one, two to Mike Brasso, who absolutely demolished this baseball. I don't, I'm not blaming Drew Smith for this one. Cause I mean, he's coming off the IL and that's, that's never easy, especially with the amount of time that he missed the ball hung a little bit. The, the pitches before that looked great. I mean, he was he was pounding the fastball. The slider had good movement. This one just didn't break. Mike Brasso was all over it, and all of a sudden, this game was over. Yeah, I mean, the velocity was good. The first one moved, and like you have two strikes. You just hate that you leave one in the zone like that. Also, especially a guy against like Mike, Mike Brasso, who's only in there basically to take the biggest hacks possible. You got to shout him out for taking the Yankees out of the playoffs in 2020. I'll, is, I'll never uh, forget that moment the rest of my life and all of the hatred in my heart. But it was, it was just that has to be such a tough spot for the guy after not pitching for two months. And yeah, I can't I can't imagine what that does for like the, the like the mentality now. Like now what's the next time you use him? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like it was a like really good. Also, because it wasn't really that warm. Like he only got started warming up the, the batter before he came yep. in. Buck, great stalling by Buck to great get him job, in there yeah. in time. Called quickly, took a very slow walk to the mound, talked to the guys for a couple minutes before, waited for the manager, the umpire to come out, talk to him. Then gave the signal. It's just like, and also like, 
Seth Lugo didn't pitch yesterday, and there's an off day tomorrow. So I thought it was very logical to have him come in that spot. I figured that the second Peterson did walk a guy, and you were going to get through the three batters and get to a righty, and Brasso was announced. I thought he was going to be the guy actually warming up. Yeah, That was surprising. Uh, you live and learn, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and really at the end of the day, like the Mets didn't score and he runs this game. No, they, they, they put up a, a goose egg. So while at the time it felt a little more important, it really didn't matter at the end of the day. You score a zero, it doesn't matter if the team scored two or six. You're losing that game no matter what. And we did also see Tyler McGill come in later in this game too. And Tyler didn't get any strikeouts or anything like that, but one inning, 11 pitches, pretty easy work. A clean inning. Let's see. It was velocity got up to. He maxed out ninety eight. That's that's kind of exactly the whole thing here. Also, ten fastballs, one curveball. That was the Tyler. Yes, that we envisioned. That's what you've been waiting for. That <laughs> version of Tyler and McGill. That's what I want to see, especially power reliever Tyler. So I mean, you've lost this one. Disappointing, especially after the Braves also played a day game. And we knew that they lost to the Nationals yeah. on a Joey oh. baseball. Joey Menezes home run. That's my guy. I know. It's a, he's a dog. I love Dude, him. Dude, ever since we went to Washington, we're like, who's gonna play first beast. base? And also, like, it's him and Voight splitting. Oh, so, oh, God, oh don't even hear Luke Voigt's name. Damn. Oh, I can't that. believe that ball went to the warding track. Kenley Jansen thought it was gone. I mean, I Atlanta should have been gone. You were talking to us about the balls maybe being juiced. Where was the juice ball for that one, huh? No, Rob Rob Manford knows that he's got to get the Mets and the Braves to that series of the one game difference. <laughs> he's not an idiot. He's not dumb. He's the juicing is all strategic. It's not like a, a universal juice. It's just more strategic juice. But strategic juice, I like that. Yeah, it was. This was a bittersweet way to end the series. Pull back one of our favorite words from the pre- some previous previous life of Mets stuff. It was fine. Like you went to, if you would have told me on Monday one two out three this series, I would have said good. I sign off. Yeah, just didn't like the fact that the Mets only got. I'm gonna get the exact count right here. There's some there's some good content right now. Mets only got eight hits in the last two games. Yeah. 18 innings, 8 hits is a bad ratio. A lot of walks, though. A lot of walks. A lot of walks. Plenty are, of walks. I actually does love a good walk. Uh, only only, only three walks on Wednesday. Okay, well, that was Wednesday, but I'm saying... Yeah, Mark Canna got hit by, I believe, two pitches, though, so that's basically more walks. We did break the record as we well the record. for the most hit-by-pitches in a season. Buck got the ball, and after the game said he's going to do obscene things to it. So I don't, I don't know what that <laughs> means. He said obscene things? He said, I'm going to do obscene things to this ball. Didn't, didn't which... he also say on... um. On Monday, that he was going to do obscene things if we clinch the division. I think I think obscene might be the word of the day for word Buck. Of the day, word of the I, week. Maybe he's not changing his calendar or whatever it is. But yeah. Also, we had a scary play with Jeff McNeil in short left field, where it looked like he jammed his knee, and then he did literally every single thing he could to bring the Mike Crosso <laughs> home run back. That was one of the funniest freeze frames of the season, where, where they just flashed to him, and he's like halfway over the wall, and it falls down on his back and just lays there. Like Jeff, we need you to be careful, man. Like I know you're the flying squirrel. I know you're you're nuts. You play the game harder than almost anybody, and you, you wear your emotions on your sleeve. We know that. But when you're not feeling your greatest, and with Brandon Nimmo leaving the game early too with some top quad tightness, as we mentioned before, Gotta, gotta be careful there. You got his finger stuck in the fence. I was like, oh no, oh no, finger stuck in the fence climbing it. It was an incredible effort, by the way. Here's a crazy, crazy breaking news. You're gonna love this. Oh, I can't wait. Ezekiel Tovar got the call. Oh, <gasps> he got called up. Yeah, Ezekiel Tovar. He just got called up 25 seconds weeks? ago. Wow, I got a lot of Ezekiel Tovar cards. If he could, if he could get hot, it's that's like the question now is do I sell or is he just that good? You sell a few for sure. I yeah, uh, I guess, you have, I guess I, every, you have to assume every prospect's bad. I gotta sell one to make all the money I spent on them back, yeah. and then I can sit on the rest and it's all house money at that point. Oh my god. Is he Kill Tovar? It's a big guy for me. I'm a big I'm a big Tovar guy. We saw him at the Fall League, which uh I've Mets announced some of their fall league guys as well, uh, that were gonna be going there. I probably should have had that list. I don't have it, I just wanted to mention it. It's uh it was no I mean the fact that you can't remember anyone off the top of your head is like kind of I know one. Brandon McElwain, and the reason I know that is because uh 
He's a, he's a former University of South Carolina Gamecock quarterback. Yeah. Also, John's boy Grant Hartwig. Oh yes, Big John Grant loves Hartwig Grant Hartwig. Guy. Oh, I've got the list. Here we go. Look at that. I'm fast. Mike Vassell. Okay, so that was a, Mike Vassell. A, I believe University of Virginia pitcher that mm-hmm. I think we took in 2021. Stanley. I'm gonna botch this one. Consegura. Conseg- like Consegura. Consegura. Oh, I like Consegura better. That's better. Consegura. But the U E. It's not E U. It's U E. So uh, Consegura. Get yeah, me confused sometimes there. the G gets like mixed in with it too. Can't say yes. Christian Scott, who's a pitcher, I believe he went to the University of Florida. That's one that's sticking in my head. Call. These are yeah. also the, all the guys who are in that same cohort of Mets pitchers that were drafted two years ago and just didn't get traded. Yep, Kevin Kendall, shortstop, Troy Miller, pitcher, Brandon McElwain, like I mentioned, outfielder, Luke Ritter, infielder, and Franklin Sanchez, pitcher. So those will be all the Mets in the fall league. Don't think we're going to be there this year, but I mean, we'll see how the playoffs go. Yeah, we'll see. How, well. I don't. I don't want to be at the fall league. That's what I'm going to say. That's exactly what I mean. Like I don't yeah. want to go to the fall league. No, the fall league will be dis- a disappointing league. end. And then I feel like the last thing to talk about with this series is how your boy has tied up the estimate. Now I'm not going to pull in John yet because I saw he was blowing his nose, but I think John's ready to go now. As they see the <laughs> tissue is gone. John, talk to me. I'm tied up in the oh estimate. You tied job. up last. You tied up last week too. What a, did I tie it up last week? No, yeah. no, no, no. Now it's now it's a tie game. Yeah. Didn't I take now the lead back when I thought? No, your lead. Yeah, Mark stayed one back. Yeah, he, he was in striking distance to tie, and then Wait, you made it. I won the last one then, so then I'm I'm still up one then. How, if he didn't tie it yet, how could he only have been? A, how could I only have been one up up one here? If, asking, especially especially asking, if I won last weekend. You're asking a big question. I guess no, I'm still up one then. It's, it's, <laughs> no, it's nine nine now. It's nine nine. Wait, so when so was then, it nine, so when then was maybe it nine, I've tied then? it before. Yeah, you might be right. Mark might have tied it before. I I think I think it was nine. Seven. No, I won no, the last it was, one, James. Wait, I, I won, won the last one. No, I won the last one. Total bases, no, you didn't. Pirates. Yes, That's two back. ago. We're talking no, no. Francisco Lindor. A oh, walk-up songs. You're right. Walk-up that got songs. one. Yeah, yeah that okay. got it. We got, one. we got it. We got it. Yeah. Okay. Figure it out. Yeah. Now I we got it. Vo- I thought it was a vocal back one. How dare you question Johnny Numbers over here? I'm if he's got the right record or not. I mean, I am still up one because the Diaz won. So well. It's been voted on by the fans that that one is ridiculous. Let one go. You got you got the Kyle Schwarber one where he got he just didn't play against the Mets and got one plate appearance. I guess, I guess that's true. That was the card yeah. there. That's true. Fine. I'll take it. Good and bad luck evens out. Um, first of all, great time yesterday. What was your what was your guys' favorite thing about about the MLB Network trip? I I like talking to Rosa. I thought he was great. He's always someone who's fun on television. He's someone I just remember his career so well because so aligned with like my lifetime of watching baseball as a kid. And it was just, we also talked to him for the longest and like the least yep. chaotic. Like that was one that was most prepared, most planned for, most arranged. And but, but like not again, not that that was a bad thing. But I just I like that was it was a good experience like sitting on the couch with him for Central and like having a real conversation. I mean the home run derby was pretty awesome. It was just I, anytime you get me playing wiffle ball, I'm I'm excited. I'm happy to play some wiffle ball at any moment. But I really like talking to Matt Fascursion too. I think that was really cool, especially because it was way funnier and looser than I ever would have imagined. Yes, the the interview was really really good. I thought it was going to be a little more um, like calm and straightforward, I should say. But he gave us some great answers. A lot of really good stories as well. Drop an F bomb. <laughs> he did. Allegedly. Alleged, 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 allegedly. And yeah. uh, it was also cool just because, you know, playing MLB the show and all the old video games and stuff like that for a long time now. Like he was like the voice of it for a while. So, you know, 2005 when I was nine year old Mark playing Major League Baseball video games, Matt Vasquez was the voice. So it's cool to now meet that guy and talk to him. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Matt's the man. Do we uh do we keep under wraps the result of the home run derby? Do I mean, we, it, do we... it seems obvious. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it could go either way. I mean, 
It was a one home run difference. So wait, do we? Is this just going to go out on the Mets YouTube channel? Like, where is this piece of content going to live? Or is it going to live like on our Instagram and Probably Twitter videos? Like our own channels, I'm assuming. Okay, because I if that's the, the Mets case, this up. yeah, then I'll then I'll say what happened. I'm calling out all you guys. Hold up, I want to pull up receipts here for all yes. those who doubted me. Robert Sala. Yes, I was. I read the responses, and it's unbelievable the disrespect. Knowing what I, I know, knowing what I know about how it ended, and just the other way it unfolded. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't know, man. I don't know. There, there are a lot of James predictions. Mark, read, read some of your favorite. Yeah, hold on. There's a lot of tweets that have gone out. Wait, where, where right, did this tweet fun. go? I'm gonna mute oh, here it is. Here it is. Just mute himself. Uh, at same old Mets fan, just James. Okay, whatever. J Dog. I was gonna say James out of a pure guess. Then I read all the comments and picked me. So J Dog, you're cool in my book. You're not. You're not on the on the list. Chuck Bo Walter, cool. Patty Coates. James is way too obvious of a pick here. That, but he picked me. How, how is James obvious? I play baseball. <laughs> this did the disrespect's unbelievable. Matt Sherwin betting my tuition. It's James. That's my cousin. Oh, okay. Well, then okay. that's fine. That's fan. That's a family pick there. Mean Joe Mets. Get the sense. James played. This has to be a top five really. next podcast. Well, Mean Joe Mets, you're called out. James played freshman year. I went longer. Played yeah, summer yeah. ball. Yeah, Good player. I could have played D three college. I played. Yeah, I played summer ball once. I was. I was. I was a much better than if I had to rank everything I did in baseball field. Hitting was last. <laughs> Defense, base running, Speed. then hitting. Speed. Yeah. James was. James yeah, was fast could, on the baseball. I could really steal a bag. We got Nick Kowal, loyal viewer. Nick. Nick, man, mm. you you've been here forever. You know the baseball resume. He said James for sure. I saw how Mark swung during the Bros versus Pros game, which is also ridiculous because I was facing Trey Cooper of NC State in this game. If you guys didn't know, YouTubers played some college baseball players this summer in the summer league for the Burlington Sock Puppets. Guy was pumping nineties. Guy was throwing ninety on the mound. He pitches at NC State. He gave me a wicked hammer, and I was like. <laughs> I mean, would you expect me to get a hit? I at least fouled one off off a of 90 for a guy who hasn't played in like 10 years. And then Dalton Cates. I'm betting my kids' college that's, funds that's, on James that, Shiano. That's my so co-worker at Mojo. He's my man. Uh, uh, oh, that's Dalton. Yeah, you met Dalton. Oh, okay. I know Dalton then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Dalton, I'll probably see you at some point. That that at least yeah, means you have to buy me a drink then. He's he's back in town next weekend. He's upset that we're doing Baltimore next weekend and not, <laughs> not hanging out with him. Well, he could, he could come to Baltimore too and hang out if he likes. Yeah, he might come to the Mets game uh, Wednesday though. Okay, nice, nice. But yeah, everyone out there who who doubted me, your boy won in easy fashion. It was, it was uh, easy. It was a one home run difference. <laughs> well, you went first. I mean, you didn't. I didn't get full round. You, you had seven outs <laughs> on the day. I hit more. I hit two home runs. Could have had yeah. more, but the lights were really limiting here. I mean, the quality of contact off of my bat was significantly better. It was a little bit better. You, you're a bit. Listen. You're a big old school guy. You're putting the ball on the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ozzy Smith, just, whatever you want thank, to call it. It's good. Thank God that both John and I couldn't get the ball out. Because if all you right, guys each right. would have gotten it I, out, I, I would have been in shambles. I hit one out. You guys it's not true. Well, it's not, not true. It's not true. So the all right. So for all the, all the listeners, the air conditioning was at full blast. There was like a damn near 10 mile an hour 
wind blowing in situation. It was actually hot in there. And when we went in like it later was, to the interviews, really it was so it's cold. Like no I, was, I was so annoyed by that. Yeah. yeah Mark, Mark was Mark was really sweating at the end. We did a TikTok with Lauren Gardner and I was like, James, you have to do it. I'm I'm sweating. I'm <laughs> profusely soaked right now. So yeah, oh, I guess man. I guess I just wasn't really getting the hips activated. That was my problem. Yeah. I think also I there were so many times I crushed those lights and I was so mad. Yeah. Crushed, crush. You hit him high. You hit him high. There was, was one where I, there was one where I hit the flap of the light, and that that was like definitely the best swing I put on one. And I yeah. I threw the bat down. I was so pissed. I know you guys have heard what happens, but definitely give it a watch because one having like a, a pro camera person shoot this <laughs> it's stuff, it's gonna look mm-hmm. really really good, and it's also super funny to like have them spend time filming us playing wiffle ball. That's like well, shout out Kip and Michael. Those guys were yes. awesome. Though. Those guys were awesome. They were they very were. helpful. And also the best part of the entire thing is that you guys were up against each other. Yes. And now James is about to eat a bunch of case mystery meat, something. How much? <laughs> James, why don't you share why don't you share with the listeners what uh what's about to go down? My punishment is next game we go to, which is probably gonna be next Wednesday, next time we record in person, I have to eat nine hot dogs, which is Ooh. a shocking amount. One in inning. Hot it dog every inning. It's not just nine in like as fast as you can, it's one in inning. Cause you gotta let that that meat sit in your stomach for a little bit. So by by losing Think it this- over. By losing this home run derby, I have to ruin my week. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is an off day for the bets on Thursday. I mean, yeah, maybe not, not for you. For me. <laughs> but the thing is, you want to go bunless. And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Like, in the hot dog eating contest, Joey Chestnut that doesn't have to be together, but he's got to get the bread down with the dog. Here's the thing. I have said this. I, I'm gluten-free, so I can't eat the buns. And the gluten-free buns are so horrifically bad. And they're so How they're bad so are they? They're How bad, bad are they? There's, eat one. Have one. Yeah, I'll eat one. I'll have a I'll hot have dog one. with a gluten-free bun. Have there the mass that they create. Like I, I won't, I won't be able to poop for days. You gotta toast it. You gotta toast it. Oh, and we're, we're, and we're not toasting buns in City Field. Like, There's a toaster in the production office. <laughs> there is a toaster there. But I said yeah. that I will trade buns for hot dogs. Like I'd rather eat 18 hot dogs than eat nine hot dogs and buns. I'm I don't think. Do. I don't you think don't you mean can. that. You don't. I don't do. you, could, you don't I mean, mean that. Hundred percent. All right, no. so I need 18 hot dogs then. I, I just, I, the buns are bad. Like, and City Field has their own gluten-free buns. I've had them before, and they're just—it's like the hot dog ones. The burger ones are decent; they're tolerable. The hot dog ones—it's just like it's like a journey to find the dog. All <laughs> That's right. not what I'm so, looking for. So, what if I can find? Nine gluten-free burger buns, which you you just gave your stamp of oh, no, approval but that's, to. But that's here's the thing. Then it's also yeah. like, I have oh, here's to the eat. thing. Well, how am I gonna how am I gonna shape that? <laughs> we we could put it's multiple dogs in the between. bun. Yeah. yeah, but you said one in inning, so I actually well, can't do that. If, no, if you're doing it with the, if you're doing it with a hamburger bun, I'll give you two in inning. If it's a hamburger bun, we'll just have some inning. dogs sticking out each end. It's no big so, deal. Yeah, four hamburger buns because I actually do sell them in in packs of four. That's actually probably that's something I would agree to. Four, yeah, okay. Four hamburger buns and and nine dogs. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'll I'll take that as a as a agreement. In one in one night. night. In one night. In one, it's like the one, span of what, like four hours. It'll be it'll be three because the game's just the game. Like first first pitch of the first inning, first one's going down. Yeah, it's gonna be. We're gonna hey, figure it out from there. I'm a, I'm a, this, awful content. I'm a glizzy connoisseur, but nine in great. that short of a time is so insane. It's mm. gonna be great content, and then you also. I have hit double digits before in my life. I will say that though. But over how Hot much time? Yeah, over over like over five ish hours with alcohol involved. To be fair, at Drew's Fourth of July thing, you had seven. I think I had like seven or eight, and that I, had was like, seven. I had like I had like five sausages that day. They were, yeah. but um, a, gr- a grilled hot dog's different. Like that's yeah, you, you can just put those down like water. When uh, yeah. so would you go to real Big Ten schools, not poverty institutions like Indiana? <laughs> 
during the senior crawl, they just there was this they had where? like free hot they had free hot dogs like on the street at Ohio State where they had all the bars. And it was honestly it was run by a church, it was honestly really nice. The same church that yeah. gave us free finals dinners during uh finals each semester. So they would literally just stand on the in the middle of the sidewalk in a big open area mm-hmm. and they were grilling hundreds of hot dogs. And I and like me and my friends, like we counted, like it was, this was my senior year crawl, like this was this was that was a big day of, of consumption. I put down twelve hot dogs. Twelve hot and how many hours? It was in two separate trips or maybe two, like three trips, I guess, in total. So it was more hours, but that was yeah. still, it was probably like between like four and nine. Here's the thing. First of all, drinking while doing that to me is worse. You're, you know, you're adding an extra element to your stomach. Um, and second of all, like, is that even like that reaches a point where it's no longer pleasant? You know, of you course eat not. No. things that taste like, so what, why, why would you eat 12? I was, I was, I was hungry. <laughs> I wanted to eat. I remember I was in day camp. I was like nine and I, I ate a ton of hot dogs. That makes I sense. Sorry. <laughs> eat that, please. I can't believe you just cursed. You can have us for cursing. You just show I up know. and curse. You got I'm 10 minutes here up. an episode. We have an hour. <laughs> I know. Anyway, I ate a lot. of. I was burping hot dog for like a week. Oh. And uh, like you well, get the taste of it. Bad acid reflux. I know that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So. That's no good. Can we, can, uh, we on the well, fly? can I do something else? Can I like run a mile around City Field or inside no, the ballpark? No, that's no, you're honest. Eating, you're that's dog. probably what we should have done because that's like more funnier if I lose. But this hot dog one, this one's gonna, this one's gonna get you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe you I mean, run a mile after you eat the hot dogs. We're not adding on punishment now. It's no, ridiculous. no, no buns, but you have to run a mile. <laughs> that night, yeah, I can't. That do night, that. we have right. to record. We're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> leave it two in the morning. <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. One more quick question for you guys. I'm not sure if you saw this. Obviously, uh, a guy that plays in the Bronx hit his 16th home run, which is cool. Awesome to see. The fan who caught the ball returned it for no charge at all. I have a crazy story about this, actually. Not a crazy story, but I was talking about it with one of my friends last night. who's was a Yankee fan who actually has tickets to the game on Friday. Tickets that he bought just for a Friday Red Sox-Yankee game like mm-hmm. four months ago, and the tickets are now like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. He said if he caught the ball, he would not give it back for less than a million dollars. A million. Oh he said God. a million. He said a million and a season ticket. Right. I told I, him, I told him they did that. They would like, they would do like what they did to George Costanza in like one of the last seasons of Seinfeld where they like blocked off his office, get, killed his bathroom access, didn't give him access to water fountains. Like they would treat him like such crap if he actually did that. I'm going to be there Saturday for a standing room only seat for my three games in 24 hours thing on my YouTube channel. If I get the ball, and because it's the Yankees, I'm juicing them for all they got. I mean, I'll put that shit. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on auction. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll list it on eBay and make them sweat. Because you could take it down. People could put bids and then you could take it down. But I'll make them sweat. I want something. I, I almost want to guarantee that Aaron Judge like, won't go back to the Yankees. No, they have no, to trade you know, somebody. You know what you have to do? You have to get, you have to get a, like a, like a spot in Monument Park. <laughs> giraffe neck mark black yes oh my god they'll get so vandalized this jerk who did not give aaron judge's ball will be Could commemorated yeah, well if you just said Dude, no no matter why i'm not giving idea. it up well i mean you, you gotta think, imagine ooh. that that ball is gonna be worth a I couple saw like five million i saw like five million estimated. i was gonna say a couple hundred thousand dollars five million i oh. saw yeah the yankees aren't getting it now this is weird because also weirdly enough on my three games in 24 hours planning, I'm going to be in LA to see the Cardinals play the Dodgers and pools could hit 700 wow. that night. Now that's not breaking a record, but 700 is a pretty big deal in the world of baseball. And someone on Twitter asked me what I would do about pools. 
And my answer is different because that's a legend of the game. That's one of the greatest players of all time. I just want to have Absolutely. a relate. I just want to be friends with this guy. Like, also, that's a proud, my such deal. a proud franchise, the St. Louis Cardinals. Like, yes, there's not course. many organizations who you could say stack up achievement wise to the Cardinals. No, but I was like, I would want to meet him. I want to sign jersey. I want to sign back. Like, I want a lot of things, but I'm not going to juice him. I would juice the Yankees and Aaron Judge for everything they got. I almost would just say no. To, to, to the Yankees? I want to keep it in my trophy case forever. This is such a monumental moment in the history of the sport. That like, is co- almost like a bigger, like... I want it. Yeah, like that's a bigger slap in the face is I'm not even going to cap... I'm not even going to make money off this. I'm, I'm just, just going to keep it so no one else can you have it. You just can't have it. Yeah, that's pretty you know, good. I'm going to take my, my ball question. and go home. What, if that happened, do, what kind of hitman do you think the Yankees would send? <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't send one, mate. I think you would have to honestly. I think your biggest concern would be if you get the ball, you gotta like get you gotta get out of there ASAP. You gotta find a oh police officer and you gotta be like, I need I need someone surrounding well, me because someone's I mean, that gonna happened, kill me. That happened with Bonds. Yeah. People were fighting for that. Yeah, ball. of course. I mean, did you the, see the pile last night in the bleachers? No, it's crazy. It. It's it's dangerous going after these balls. I got my I got my ticket in left field for that Dodgers game. I'm I'm a little worried if for if some way somehow Albert Pools hits one about four sixty because that's I couldn't get past row L. That was the closest I could get in left field. But if he hits one past like 460, Aaron Judge might have a little better better luck with that, with the distance. But yeah, you got to be careful. There, People will be swinging. I mean, like you said, if that ball is worth $5 million, people will commit crimes for it. Yeah. Probably any of us included. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Mike ba- uh, Barry Bonds. The pitcher that allowed that Mike home Basic. run was Mike Bassick. Bassick, whatever, Matt. yeah. Mark teased it earlier, so we just got to pay it off real quick. You guys want to mention some some more just some not great Met game Met names from 2017 through 2021, yeah. the days without playoff baseball at City Field. Yeah, let's let's just let's go one by one. We could just just name some guys. I'm gonna go with Corey Oswalt, who mm. uh, you know every not every time you looked up, but. Corey Oswalt lasted what 2018, 2019. He pitched a game early in he, 2020. He was and around he was forever. Giving up he was barrels. around yeah, he, too long. Yeah, he was bouncing back. And Corey Oswalt's my uh, that's my answer. I'm gonna go with uh, an interesting little hitter that that you might remember. How about Nori Aoki, who got a hundred mm. plate appearances in 2017 for the Mets? End of 2017. Forgotten about yeah. for sure. All right, I have a banger. Robinson Cano. Yeah. That's true. Robinson Cano was on this team, especially this year. He played this year. He went to the Braves and the Padres as well. John? Uh, I'm going to go with opening day first baseman in 2018, Adrian Gonzalez. That sounds Um, a shiver up my spine. Not the guy who wanted to be the opening day first baseman, although I will say his walk-up music, electric, I miss it. If you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. I'm going to give you one that I honestly, I don't even remember this name. John said it earlier, and with good reason. He pitched an inning in the third. Scott Copeland. Who is Scott Copeland? I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't. I legit. Th- there's very. F- wow, he's from Longview, Texas. That's a crazy weird coincidence. But like, this is. I usually have a memory or recollection of most players. I don't have a clue who this guy is. His face, his name, nothing is familiar about him. Travis DeHeron. It's a good one. It's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Well, uh, was he? Like 26 10. games in 2017. Like 26 games? 26 games. It's a shockingly high amount. I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with AJ Ramos. Okay. Who the Mets acquired when they were pretty much out of it in 2017, looking forward to the next season. There's no pretty much. Um, they were out of it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, they were out of it. Uh and it was just a shocking deadline deal. As they were shipping out relievers, if you remember, they acquire AJ Ramos at the same time. 
uh, chess. Didn't have the same success as he did with the Marlins. How about this name? How about Tyler Bachelor? Bachelor, Bachelor? I don't remember. Having a bachelor party. That's what we would always say when you come in the game. Yeah. uh, Unfortunately, it was never that fun when he came in the game. So, (laughs) all right. We're doing another round, or is that it? Yeah, get one more round. One more round. round. Pick your best one. Because uh, there's some good names. There's some good names here. There are some names. (laughs) <laughs> there's so many freaking you better you better not names. take mine because i have i have my favorite one and yeah no, I, w- I was honestly about to and i'm not gonna do it because that one is a banger how about how about no, you could take it you could take no, it no sorry i'm not because i don't it. think i don't think you have the guy that i'm thinking of how about rafael montero okay uh, we remember we saw the guy with the montero jersey yeah don't hey, was like, oh yeah who's it yeah i was like oh that was that was so disappointing <laughs> rafael montero supposed to be the guy all right i'm gonna go with we got a couple here that I like. I'm gonna go with Drew Gagno. Yeah. Um, I remember he started a double, the first game of a doubleheader in 2018 against the Phillies. And uh, I'm gonna be honest, I had no idea who Drew Gagno was. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they, the game ended well though. Wilmer hit a walk off home run, so that was cool. That's so the shout Gagneo out Drew Gagno. Uh, my last name that I'm gonna drop here, Mets fans know it well. It's gonna be Jed Lowry. Yep. There he is. Mm, Jed Lowry is a, a player that existed on this team for mm. multiple years and I think played what, like nine games? I don't think he, did he even play an inning in the field for the Mets. I don't believe so. Just I think like three at best of DH. Yeah. I mean, that's that's more of a sad yeah. story because he really was so great when they signed him. I was like, wow, this could be a nice little utility player. Give a bonus Brian Dozier. Send it off. Okay. And uh, Ricky oh, Keel. Chris Mazza. Okay. Now we can finally. All right. Now on. we can talk about let's. <laughs> what's the estimate for us? Yeah. We got to do it. We're like over an hour already. <laughs> All right. The estimate. So this one, obviously, the Mets going, uh, what is it? O.co these days? Ooh, Whatever. Knows. The Coliseum. Not sure what it's called. It's had a lot of different names over the years, especially recent. But the Mets going to Oakland, a rarity. Um, known for its foul territory, massive, expansive foul territory. And I, I can track, I've got a way to look this up. So we're all set. So we're going to go with how many total foul outs. So foul fly balls that are recorded for outs. Will there be in the series? The athletics have hit into 120 fly foul fly outs this year. Okay. Makes sense. The Mets, uh, rank 24th. So they have not hit into many. The Mets don't hit many pop-ups, which, it's a good thing because a pop-up is pretty much the most useless ball in play in the sport. So, How many did the A's uh, have? 120 total. Okay, that's not home. That's 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 a total. I can that's look fine. home. Sh- no, nah, don't I'm worry sure about home. I'm sure they're the most. Yeah, don't worry about home. I'll just I'll, I'll I have, take – I have my number. Mark is, you, Mark is feeling himself. Yeah, I mean, I tied it up here. I, I know this mm. is bad for the content. I think people want to see me in the tuxedo. But when, when you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not. That's really how it rolls here. If I if I wear a tuxedo city field one time, I might never go without a suit again. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. It may not be a bad thing unless we make the loser run a mile in the tuxedo. We can't. We I think that's actually like that's like probably really bad for your you know your lumbar. This is this actually real. I'm I'm for your so lumbar. Your feet. If you're bad, you got bad feet when the unless you wear sneakers. All right. What, what if you can wear sneakers? Yeah, I don't you think your sneakers. lumbar is your feet. No, I know, but yeah, that's you know that's your base. Oh, okay, so that's yeah. your compression when you run. James, I run kind of a lot. I, so you guys don't know. It's a little insight. James was talking about, you know, him him going the overs has been killing him. So I know he's going with a lower number here. So I really just gotta thread the needle and probably get one higher than him. Which I'm gonna I'm gonna call this right now. Don't change your you you went six. I'm gonna go seven. Okay, let's see it. Four, baby. Four. Okay, okay. Four. I, I'm good. I'm good till five. That's, I, I like that. I a lot. love the number six. I like where six, I'm at. Six was the number I was feeling. 
I like where I'm at there. That's there perfect. is so much foul territory that it makes every A's infielder and outfielder seem significantly better defensively with all these these numbers. I found last year's stat in total in the Coliseum, there were about 175 foul outs. Wow. So I went a little bit more than one per game. Okay. That's yeah. good research. Good research on your part wow. there. Got to respect it. To tip the cap. Tip of the cap. Got to do it. Hey, we, this, it's, it's opening day. It's brand so, new season. It's 0-0. 0-0. Everyone's, everyone's level. All right. Well, while everyone roots for the Mets, we will be monitoring how many foul outs there will be during this three-game series. It was hilarious. Eduardo Escobar strikes out in the ninth, and the Mets are down 6 nothing at the time, and it's pretty inconsequential, but it meant so much for the Estimates. <laughs> also because there were five, five total bases on Monday. I thought it was such a lock, and Vogelback doesn't play on Tuesday, and then there's one total base the rest of the series. You were feeling hot, James. You were feeling hot. You needed a heat check. Also, Escobar, Escobar, three hard hit balls on Wednesday, too. They all found <laughs> gloves and, and a walk. They had, I think they had three walks, two of the two of them. Good baseball. <sighs> Good baseball. But anyway, John, that's the estimate. Thank you so much. We'll send you on your way as we wrap up this episode here with a little preview of those Oakland A's that we just talked about. Who the hell is pitching for them? Uh, we're, we're getting basically the best they have pitching. Okay. Which... And they have been pitching and playing a little bit better baseball than Pete, than probably like the national media would like to admit Friday night, nine forty start time, Chris Bassett versus Cole Irvin, Chris Bassett coming, coming back to where it kind of yes. all started. I mean, it's not technically where it all started. Same, it was same with Marcana. Yeah. And then we have Saturday four Oh seven, Jacob DeGrom versus Ken Waldachuk and Sunday, Max Scherzer versus JP Sears. And I do want to highlight basically all three of those guys are fine pitchers. J.P. Sears and Ken Waldachuk coming to the athletics from the Yankees in the Frankie Montes trade. I think that now seeing that Montes is still dealing with inflammation in his shoulder, it probably was a win for the athletics overall. Sears is a guy who kind of hilariously, he um, he's one of the, he has come up with um, the rule changes. He works slowly. Okay. So we're going to see that. I mean, maybe unless they're really starting to make the adjustment. If I was a team out of the playoffs, I would be telling my pitchers right now, you have to start doing this. Like we're going to keep our own internal time. So maybe we do see them pick up the pace a little bit. In this series, Sears, uh, his pitches, he just throws a lot of fastballs, 58%. He also has a pretty good slider and a changeup that's that's at least average, so he's going to mix it in a lot. If he's commanding the fastball, he's also a lefty, something to keep an eye on. If he's commanding that fastball, it's it, it might he might miss a couple of bats. It might be kind of hard to hit. He hasn't really gotten as many strikeouts in the majors as he had in the minors this year, which is to be expected. Waldachuk is a guy I'm probably a little bit higher on than Sears, even though Sears had slightly better results so far since the trade. Waldachuk just has a very good slider and a fastball that was thought to not really have the best shape in the minor leagues before we had before we had the ability to track it. In the major leagues, though, it has gotten a decent amount of whiffs. It got more in his first couple starts when hitters hadn't seen it. It's been tracking down, so hopefully the Mets can attack that fastball. But his slider is legit, absolutely legit. It's a pitch that will have his floor pretty high during the length of his career. I, I'm, I kind of like Waldachuk long-term more than Sears, but I think they're both probably major league-ish pitchers. And Irvin's just a command monster he just knows where it's going yeah offensively of course i gotta give a shout out to my game as i always do jonah bride a little bit of a utility player over there just just shouting him out because he's a game cock and then yeah. sean murphy and seth brown are two like good hitters yeah. sean murphy really good catcher seth brown will play first base in a little bit of corner outfield both good bats both have some pop in there tony kemp at a home run yesterday against me in a fantasy final the guy That's... i'm playing has tony kemp in his lineup which is that made me so mad he actually hit a freaking home run i also got a weird player to keep an eye out for his name is dermis garcia and the reason is is that this dude has some serious pop um yeah, this is a name does. you might not know but last year he was in the yankees system and i'm not sure why he's not anymore he's not a big average guy but he hit 31 long balls last year and about 400 plate appearances so he's definitely got a little pop in that back keep an eye out for dermis garcia as well but as we know 
the A's are what 54 and 94 right now. You know, what's crazy is they still have two games to play at the time that we're recording this. They have two games <laughs> yeah, right? to play for the Mets. That's before funny, the Mets. Cause their game hasn't started yet on Wednesday night. Not the greatest team. The Mets have been playing good baseball. They should be able to handle these A's, but Oakland is gotta be the second with the first or second worst environment currently in baseball. Besides Probably, the Marlins. Oh man. Yeah, I was oh, going to no. say the Rays, too. Rays are tough. Yeah, but at least the Rays are getting some people in there because they're playing like some awesome baseball. The, yeah, the Oakland is it's empty. Like, I mean, The Mets haven't even been there since, I think, 2014. I don't remember the last time they had. The seven line will be there, though, so that'll be cool. They probably will be more than 50% of the fans at that game, if I had to take a guess. That yeah. seven line outing, which is also kind of cool. They actually will take over a stadium. The A's also have Shane Langoliers, who they picked up from the Braves. What trade was that? That was also that was with that was the Pache. Yeah, with Pache. So Langoliers is, a, is, I think, is a decent prospect. They're also just a good name team. You got Joel Payamps, Vimael Machine. Yeah, Vimael Machine. Dominic Acevedo. You guys already said Dermis. They got some funky names on this team. James Caprellian's a fun one to say. Caprellian is a fun name. Uh, there yeah. was another one. Oh, Tyler Sear. C Y R. Oh, that guy pitched against us with the Phillies this year, and I think. He pitched in the game where we made that comeback. I don't want to say early in the year, but like recently, and I think he just he stunk. Yeah, Kirby Sneed's also a fun name. Yeah, they, they got fun names. That's what you got to do in Oakland because the baseball is not particularly fun that they're playing over there. But hey, still got to play the game. Still got to get some wins. The Braves will be against the Phillies this weekend, so we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Of course, hate Four watching games, as we always do. And uh, hopefully the Mets can win. Braves lose. Extend a little bit of that division lead. And on the next episode, maybe we'll be even happier than we already are. I would love to be happier. Never a bad thing to be happier. I'm not unhappy right now. It's a good day. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a happy man. I'd like to be happier, though. But uh, that's where we'll wrap up this episode, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Make sure you follow us on all our social media at MetsUp, M-E-T-S-D-U-P, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. YouTube video will be on the New York Mets YouTube channel. Go over there and subscribe. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, wherever you find us, drop us a rating, a review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And follow me at GiraffeNeckMark with a C. Thank you guys for listening and watching, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Peace out. Peace out, guys. See you next time. Get up. Get, get up. Get up.